Today's podcast is brought to you by Concierge Elite. Concierge Elite provides dedicated remote front desk staff and virtual assistance to your office. We specialize in finding your office the perfect and right fit for your office and your office only, full or part-time. Your remote team member is just that, yours. We do all the hiring, the recruiting, and training. Yes, the training. It's one of the things that makes us unique as we train your dedicated remote team member in your systems and software. Welcome to Understaffed. My name is Melissa Brown, and today I have with me a very special guest. I have Tara McCarthy. Now, Tara is a veterinarian with over 16 years of experience in private practice, both in large and small animals. She has a background in health and wellness, along with her career in veterinary medicine. Tara owns a CrossFit gym with her husband and has an online health and wellness business with a team of over 800 people. Amazing. Amazing. Her particular passion is helping working moms, especially DVM moms with their health and nutrition. Perfect. Perfect. I am so glad she's talking with us today. Now, her role as head in community engagement at Galaxy Vets is what brings her today. But Tara is focused on attracting like-minded people that want to change the course of their veterinary industry and live a life of passion and fulfillment. Now, if you are not in the veterinary industry, still stay tuned. I want you to hear what Tara has to say because she is going to give you some valuable information on how you can really have a work-life balance, really things that you can do to focus in and attract uh, what you're wanting to come to you. So let's welcome Tara McCarthy. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and chat today. Yes. And I was telling the listeners at the top your bio and you have so many years within the private practice as a veterinarian, but then now you're in the health and wellness field. So I'm sure we're going to talk a, a little bit about that today and how you made that transition. But uh, it's it's exciting to have kind of that perspective. So I'm glad you're here. So we're going yeah. to get get started. Tell us a little bit about your professional journey um, and, and how that came to be. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, like most vets, wanted to be a vet my whole life uh, from a very young age. So worked really hard through school to get into vet school. And then when I graduated, like most veterinarians, I just, you know, you think you're going to change the world um, through veterinary, with, with veterinary medicine. Um, and so I, so 16 years ago, I graduated. I wanted an adventure. And so I moved to New Zealand and practice for a couple of years. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm really sorry about that. I moved to New Zealand for a couple of years for an adventure. I did mostly large animal, but mixed animal. We did everything. I was in very rural New Zealand. So anything that kind of got thrown at you, you did. Um, you know, a lot of dairy, a lot of horses, but then, you know, lots of dogs and cats. You get to work on wildlife, elk farming. Wow. Um, I really got a great taste of lots of different things and had a lot of fun. Um, and then I moved back to Canada because sadly New Zealand dollars couldn't pay my Canadian loans. Um, and so my debt that I had racked up wasn't really getting paid off. Yeah. Um, so I moved back to Canada, started doing large animal medicine because I've always kind of been more of a large animal vet, horses and cows. Um, and I was working you know, when you're a young vet, you, you, your profession is your life. And I was working a lot. I, I was basically, there were times in 
that part of my life when I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, um, making decent money, but probably wasn't the best thing to be doing. Um, then I, I got married and had a kid and mm-hmm. my whole life got flipped upside down and my priorities and what I wanted. And I just was like, what is going on? Like, what have I done? You know, like yeah. spent all this time studying and building up loans and you have such a narrow set of skill sets. All you can be is a vet because that's what I trained to be. I had huge loans. So I still, like I had to work. Um, and so, yeah, I had a really dark patch uh, as a young mother. I would say practicing when I went back to practice after my mat leave, um, where I just really resented the profession and I felt completely pigeonholed in it. Yeah. And there was really no way out. Uh, then I had a, another child. My husband and I, we moved around a lot. We were basically just flying by the seat of our pants because neither one of us knew what we were supposed to do. We just weren't happy with how things were going. He started a gym um, and we moved and I started working part-time. I mentally like financially yes i should have been working full-time but mentally i i could not do it um and still be a decent mother i think uh, so i went back part-time and that's when i kind of you know life just kind of makes you look at your life and you get to a point where you have to make changes and that's where i kind of started getting into health and wellness i found something that really helped me personally and i started feeling better, having more energy, looking at things a little differently. And then it just kind of started to snowball and I started to be able to help other people do that. So I started to have the side business from home, working part-time, still kind of one foot in both. Um, Started loving the profession a little more, being able to see it from a different light and having a little more freedom and flexibility because I I had that business at home. Yeah. And really that's what I I had been doing all along. Uh, COVID hit, you know, things went crazy, which we can talk about. I was still practicing at that point. And then, yeah, Ivan Zach, Dr. Ivan Zach reached out to me last fall, yeah, almost a year ago now, and mentioned what he was doing with Galaxy Vet. It was completely new to me. I was really excited about what his mission was and what he was trying to do. And I was ready for a change um, and to do something new and grow a little more. So as of February of this year, I left, private, I left practice and uh, I've been with Galaxy. Wow. What a journey. I know that that's uh, so put into a nutshell there, but uh, I can hear some um, some really big life changes within that. And I think so many people can identify with what you're saying uh, as being a female and having to figure out that work-life balance. Do I have a family? Do I have a career? What does that look like? And uh, can I reinvent what it should be? You know, um, I know I had that experience as well myself. And then really kind of the change of, is this how you want to spend your life? Do you want to spend your life as a veterinarian? What you spent all the money on (laughs) your whole life thinking you wanted to do. Uh, So really reevaluating. So do you ever regret becoming a vet? I definitely don't now. I think it's an absolutely amazing profession, but I did have to back away from it a little bit. To, to get that different perspective. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. When I was, um, when I went back to work after my daughter was born, I was, we moved again. I was full-time large animal. I was on call every other night, every other weekend. Hmm. There were mornings I didn't see her. I was gone on calls before she was awake and I wasn't home until she was in bed. And I was like, what am I doing? Like I hated what I was doing. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. There was a time. And I think everybody has that in any 
probably in any career. And I know many veterinarians who have have really dark periods for varying lengths of time. Um, and that was for sure mine. Um, when I, when I was like completely regretting my decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, you know, there's a study out that, that found that 47% of veterinarians, uh, would recommend the profession. Now this is down from 76 and we're seeing this within the veterinary field, but I think we're seeing it really across the board. I think I can say this truly for, like you just said, for so many professions, we're starting to see declines in the attractiveness of them. I was talking to somebody who's in uh, manufacturing and they were like, what is going on? You know, nobody wants to do this business anymore. And I'm like, it's just not yours. Uh, But why do you think the veterinary industry is becoming so unattractive? Yeah, I completely relate. My family are all teachers and none of them would recommend being a teacher. It's so funny. Like I'm probably the only one who's not a teacher and they, but I think, I think it's just over time, um, society has changed. Technology has advanced dramatically and that's had good and bad effects. Um, for sure on the veterinary side of things, you know, it's definitely allowed us to provide better quality medicine, standard of care for our patients. And people want more like the humanization of pets. People like they're a family member now. And so, They want them to be treated like a family member. And that's awesome. And it's been so great to be able to advance medicine that way. But the flip side of that is it gets very emotional and social media and Dr. Google and all of these other things that are available there to them can completely destroy relationships and can completely tear down uh, clinics and individuals with complaints and that sort of stuff based on, you know, veterinarians have no way to really shield themselves from that. We can't defend ourselves because of confidentiality. We can't tell our side of the story. So we basically, you know, we've been just taking those beatings and smiling. <laughs> um, so that's one side of it for sure. I think the changing demographic in all of the professions, you know, veterinary medicine specifically used to be a very male dominated profession and now it's very female dominated the males you know those older males that kind of took over in like the 60s 70s 80s they're kind of retiring and it's more mostly a female female um driven industry and we want different things um especially like if we have families and that sort of thing so what you think as a a young grad (laughs) and then when your life changes like nobody prepares you for that kind of stuff you know um so those are a couple of the big things i think and then just the differences in generations you know the work-life balance and what the the newer generations the younger generations want out of life you know they don't want to they don't want to live to work they just want to Work to live, right? so. Yeah, that was that's that's so correct. That's exactly the conversation I was having. It's it's a lot within our generations. They are changing. Their priorities are changing. the The type of work they want to do is changing. It's no longer work with our hands necessarily, unless it you know is a cell phone. Uh, but but the generation is different. Where we come from, you know, my generation, it's about hard work in the fields, you know, or you know, hard work manufacturing those those hands on jobs, building the trades. And now it's becoming less and less that, you know, and, and more and more, you know, what can I do that's going to create balance in my life? 
Uh, I think yeah. that generation is a lot about, I want to work hard, fine, but three days a week, and then I want to play the rest. You know, <laughs> it's a different balance, even than what we think of, you know, I think of work-life balances, balancing my seven children and, and working a 40 hour week, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, I want to work three and play, you know, the, the other four. So, um, what about work-life balance? Tell us a little bit about that. How are you able to do that? And what would you recommend in terms of work-life balance for our listeners? Oh, man. Work-life balance is such a tough one because, like, it's still really hard to define. I think it's so personal. Um, and also based on your stage of life. Like, your work-life balance when you're young versus midlife versus the end of your career, it's going to be very different, like, what you want. And so, for me... I kind of define work-life balance as freedom, as much freedom as you have on either side of those things. And what creates that is choice. Mm -hmm. And so the more choices that you have available to you, the more balance you can create for you. Because, you know, your coworker and you may seem very similar and you practice the same way, but what they want and what you want no, they're very different. And so if you both, if you have choices available to you, you can kind of mold what works for you and they can mold what works for them and work so better. I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't really view work-life balance as, you know, making it equal between work and life. It's right. just, you have satisfaction in your work and you have satisfaction in your life and they, they feed off of one another. And I really think, you know, in, on the, on the life side of things, is really, I don't think we think about our happiness enough and what what makes you happy. And that's going to change. Like, it completely changes. Right now, what makes me happy is being involved in my kids' stuff. Like, I'm a 4-H leader, and I take my daughter to horse shows, and, like, my husband's a hockey coach. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we like right now, and right. that really brings us joy. It probably won't be the case in 10 years down the road when I'm off to university, right? So... Um, you have to find ways to fit more of that stuff in, you know, do the stuff that makes you happy. And on the work side of things, there's all of us have things about work that we like, because mm -hmm. that's why we do it. Like veterinarians get into veterinary medicine because they want to help. They enjoy it. They enjoy the work. It's intellectual. Um, but not everybody likes the same things, right. you know? So I really think creating a collaborative team so you all can work on the things that you like to do, you know, um, doesn't mean you're not going to have crappy stuff you have to do. I mean, we all do on both sides. Right. But if you can find ways to really increase your happiness on both sides of that, I think that's great. And it's, and just knowing it's going to change, you know, like it's going to evolve as you evolve. Right. Right. I think it, you hit it on the head with that is it's not necessarily a 50 50, but it's about finding happiness in both of the things that you do. And uh, I think that sometimes is a challenge to people is because we don't actually know what makes us happy. I think yeah. <laughs> that's a dig deep, isn't it? <laughs> totally. And I think people are so, uh, I was going to say this earlier too, but I just think the other part, the reason all of the percentages are decreasing for recommending whatever profession, humans by nature are kind of negative Nellies and misery loves company. And with social media, I think we just talk about the problems of everything all the time, yeah. which for sure we need to talk about the problems to get the solutions, I guess. But we don't celebrate the good stuff enough. Yes. We don't yeah. pay attention to when we feel good. Like, I think we really 
we don't feel good, we focus on that and we think about why we don't feel good and we really narrow down and it makes you feel worse because you start thinking about that problem. But when you feel good, you're not really digging in to be like, why do I feel good? Like, what is it that's making me feel good? And, you know, trying to then realize what does make you happy, right? Yeah. So, you know, somebody posed that to me, uh, I don't know, maybe about a, a year ago now. And it's they said, well, what makes you happy? And I'm like, well, you know, then you start listing things off and you're like, well, wait a minute do those things really make me happy? You know, and then you're, then you're having to do this self-examination of, oh my gosh, what makes me truly happy? What gets me excited? You know, and then you have, you have to dig deep this, when you want work-life balance, I think you have to dig deep within yourself. You're going to have to determine and make some choices and say, listen, is this what truly makes me happy inside both in life and in my business? And then, and, and find those, and it's going to be a discovery of yourself, but, um, and, and I know you did that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to say, sorry. I just think happiness is a state of mind. Like it's just, it's deciding that you're going to be a happy person. I read a cool thing not that long ago, but it's like an emotion kept long enough turns into a mood and that mood kept long enough turns into a temperament and that temperament left long enough turns into a personality. So if you want to change and your personality creates your reality, right? So yeah, if you want to change your reality, you got to go back and start changing your emotions and trying to extend those periods of time with the good stuff, you know? I love that. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to have to write that one down. I love that. <laughs> now, when we talk about, you know, within the practice and we, we can kind of talk about our people and you kind of touched on it a little bit about, you know, finding what makes you know, the little adjustments within our business that makes our employees happy and, and all of that. And we talk about, you know, retraining and retaining employees and recruiting. Um, do you have any tips on how, you know, employers can really be successful in that? Yeah. I mean, that's a, the topic of the hour, I think, retention, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's an urgent need everywhere. I mean, since the great resignation of COVID, um, veterinary medicine, obviously no different. And so you really want to keep those people that you have. And I think firstly, I would say sometimes you're not actually doing anything wrong. Like just, you don't have control over other people's lives and stuff happens. Like, and maybe they're not unhappy with their job, but you know, their husband's moving or there's a family member sick. So sometimes that stuff just happens and it sucks, but you know, that's just reality and you could do anything and everything, but it's not going to change that situation. So I do think, you know, I, I still have lots of friends that are private vet clinic owners and they beat themselves up over stuff that they really can't control. Yeah. So I would say that firstly, but I think really like to, to keep people from leaving you and just going down the street to another job or, you know, taking something online is really creating that great culture, which the culture is, I don't know, it's a hard one to define too, but a healthy, a healthy work life, I guess, um, where you have open communication. I think trust, communication and connectedness is, is key in your team so that, you know, you feel psychologically safe to speak up. You have open dialogue about, you know, how they view the culture, what they want, what they need, how they want to be recognized, how they feel appreciated, you know, so they, you can constantly have that feedback within your team and they feel comfortable talking to you, but you're constantly asking. It's not just a one and done type thing because things are always changing. So I think making it like 
allowing a team to feel comfortable and heard and appreciated is is definitely key. Um, I think in the veterinary side of things, uh, especially for like technicians and assistants and, and things, is if you can pay them more. Like those positions are definitely not compensated enough for the extreme <laughs> for the extreme physical and emotional toll that they play. They they're on their feet or wrestling dogs all day. Right. It's constantly dealing with frustrated, grieving, angry clients. Like it's it's a huge ask. Um, so if you can pay them more or just give them more pay time off if you can, so they can have more breaks. Um again, I think recognition is key. My old clinic, we did the language of love. I don't know if you've done that before, but it's like the five languages of love. And we all took the test so my boss could kind of know what we really like to be like how we like to feel recognized and appreciated. And it went a long way because not everybody wants the same things, you know? So I think if you have a small enough place where you can do that, that's a great thing to do. And I think not just recognition from top down, I think creating that culture of people appreciating each other, like coworkers appreciating each other for who they are and what they do. And, and I was, I've never been an owner in my clinic. I've been an associate, but I always was like bringing goodies and telling people good jobs or leaving notes. Cause I think it just does a lot to increase morale. And then um, what else for retention right now? I think if <laughs> technology is a huge component right now. There's so many different things like innovations and different things that you can implement in the clinic. I know a lot of veterinarians are scared to do that kind of stuff, but if you yeah. can improve workflows for your people when you're short staff, yep. that's yep. huge. If you can take some load off of them. Yeah, that's yeah. a big one. And, and they are scared. Um, but I'm seeing the veterinary come come along. And I know, I know there's always this funny thing out there that veterinarians are the slowest to, to do anything in terms of, you know, technology and advancing, but working both in, in some medical, which we do at concierge elite opto dental, things of that nature. And the veterinarians I'm seeing our veterinarians are, are moving a little bit quicker than some other industries. So I'm very, actually, um, very excited for them <laughs> and, and moving forward moving the needle. So I think we have to, I think we have to, I think COVID forced us to do so and start looking at the things that we're doing. Are they efficient? Are they going to work? What if there's another disaster again? Um, you know, how are we going to get along? How are we going to do business? And so I think it's, it's a forced thing. And I think people need to continue those on. We can't just go, okay, that we did that because it was COVID. And now we're going to go back to our old ways, which I am seeing as well. So we're going back to the comfortable ways and thinking that that was a, you know, for a, a small amount of time. We talk about the great resignation, like you mentioned, and of course, um, needing staff. I think everybody is needing staff. I, I just recently was in Atlantic City at a convention with veterinarians and it was like everybody who walked by, do you need staff? And everyone's like, yes, who doesn't? You know, it's, it's one of those things. And of course, that's what we do within Concierge Elite, I know, but but I know it's a need and everybody's got it. And the one in the few that said, no, I think we're good right now. We're knocking on wood, you know, because it changes. Now, how do you think things are going to change in the veterinary field? And this was, this is not something we talked about, but I feel like it's coming out of the conversation. If there's a recession, how do we think that's going to change in the veterinary? Well, we kind of went through one in 2008. Um, and, I will say veterinary medicine is a little bit buffered from recession. We are a little bit recession proof just because 
animals are living things and they need care. Um, and so, yes, maybe the extras are not going to be done um, when people are struggling, but at the end of the day, you know, care is often still provided. Um, and so we're a little bit buffered. However, like in 2008, I remember when that happened, and especially in the States, um, I remember like veterinarians getting laid off and like, it was crazy because that had never really happened before, right? You couldn't get a job, which were the opposite now. Um, but, you know, that is definitely still a driver. Veterinary medicine, you know, it is a profession of disposable income. Um, so, yes, they're animals and they, they need care and they're part of your family. However, you know, if you have to choose between getting this lump removed on your dog and putting groceries in your cupboard, you're going to choose groceries in the cupboard, right? For, right. Your, for your children. And so, yeah, it's definitely a risk, but I think right now, just because of the sheer volume, like the increase in pets to the population over the last couple of years, um, I do think that veterinary medicine will sustain itself. It may not be, you know, a gold mine, but I, I do think, you know, I think you can see that already, like consolidators and stuff stepping back a little bit, maybe with their crazy purchasing, but they're just being cautious. But I do, I do think we will, I don't think we'll see again what we did in 2008 with layoffs and things. Cause I just think there's so many pets. There's just too many pets. There's not enough people right now anyway. So maybe it'll actually even out. I don't know. Maybe we won't feel as crazy. Um, yeah. If, and again, this one I'm throwing at you, but uh, if we were to have to cut back, if we're starting to see some sort of a decline, where do you think that people should cut back within their business? That's a good question. If uh, I, I've been looking and researching, and I'll just give you a little insight to where, you know, I've been looking and researching and, and coming out with a podcast re uh, coming up soon about recession proofing your business. And I think that there's different places that we can, I think you touched on one a little bit, but, um, you know, making sure that you've moved ahead in your technologies, that you're not using old technologies and making sure that you're super efficient in your business and taking steps to make sure that you are because inefficiencies are going to create waste. But um, one of my big things is don't cut back on is don't cut back on your people, your people, your face, your business. Cut, find the what's not the who's. And I think the first thing people do when they start to panic is think, oh, who am I going to lay off? You know, and I would challenge people as being in the human resources and, and being this is don't look at the who, but look at the what. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And I don't think it would even be a possibility right now with where with our current state. But yeah, so like Galaxy's policies, you know, we're really going to use telemedicine. Um, there's a couple other companies out there that are doing a phenomenal job, but not too many. Uh, so we definitely have a long way to go in veterinary medicine. So for sure, we're going to access that. Our membership programs as well will allow people to get you know, exams and use telemedicine without having to pay additional fees. And I really feel like that will help with the access to care, which is a huge part of what we're trying to do, but also um, kind of make the, it more efficient in the, in the workforce and the, in the labor that you have. Um, so, yeah, I think I completely agree. How can Galaxy Vets help? You just started to touch on it a little bit, but I want you to take a few minutes and tell us a little bit about Galaxy Vets. 
How can it help? Sorry, with what? A practice owner. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So yeah, I mean, Galaxy Vets is, I mean, we're partnering with, with practice owners. And so by doing that, we're making every employee a practice owner, which so an ESOP company, there's never been one in veterinary medicine. And I mean, it was a completely new concept to me. I think it's new to everybody in veterinary medicine. We didn't know what it was, you know, employee stock ownership plans. Um, but to me, this is what I got excited about when Ivan started reaching out to me because the financial stress of, you know, student loans and veterinarians, but then also just veterinary technicians and CSRs and assistants, they have a really tough job and they really don't get paid that much. So if you can be an owner in this overall company and have something, a nest egg that's growing at the other end for you, and you can be an owner and you can see the work you put in pays off down the road for you and everybody else, I feel like it just takes a little bit of weight off your shoulders, um, something else you don't have to worry about quite as much. Because ESOP companies, I think they say, are they have two to three times more the retirement savings than 401k companies. Mm. Um, which is amazing because you're not actually even contributing any of that, which as the 401k, you have to contribute and they're just like giving you some of that back. So I feel like the financial choice, like the choice that you're getting there and the, and the extra freedom that you're getting from the financial aspect is huge, not just for you as the owner, because that's generally how it goes. When you a consolidator buys you, the owner gets a big cut, cut sorry, fat paycheck. <laughs> and it's like, cool guys, I sold you and good luck. <laughs> I'm going to hang out for a while. Uh, but this is completely different and it's really creating a collaborative team approach where everybody gets to be an owner and benefit from, from the growth of the company. Um, so I think that to me was the huge, the huge part for me for joining. But then when you start to incorporate the technology, which telemedicine is definitely one aspect uh, galaxy's doing we have some other great novel ideas that aren't being done in veterinary medicine as well that will kind of change and improve workflows um and just things are going to allow within our solar systems is kind of exciting for just keeping things fresh and exciting for the people that work there um i think that's huge too so yeah yeah excellent uh, Galaxy Vets is definitely a good friend of ours and, and we love working with you guys. And if we ever hear anybody who's in the, you know, looking for a change, looking for needing some help, I know that we always send them your guys' way. So um, did I hear that Galaxy is hiring? We are. I'm actually looking for two veterinarians right now. I'm looking for one in Virginia and one in Houston. And we also have some exciting stuff happening in California. So there'll be some positions there in the next few months as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. Excellent. So if you're interested, please reach out to me. Yes. How do we get in touch with you guys at Galaxy Vets? <clears throat> well, for the employment side of things, it's definitely me. I'm the one you want to talk to. So it's Tara at GalaxyVets.com. Um, or you can just go to our website, galaxyvets.com. And if you kind of register and set up uh, an account with us, then you will receive updates with what's happening um, and job opportunities and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's the way to do it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Our time is up. We blew through that time. Actually, I think we went a little over, which is totally fine because uh, I love all your insights. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Dr. Tara. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me. And can I just ask one more thing? Galaxy has its third annual burnout study released at this moment in time. So if you are anybody in the veterinary profession, veterinarian, vet tech, assistant, CSR, or you're in industry, whatever it is, if you would go on and do that survey for us, it would be amazing. And we do that on your website? Yes. Excellent. We'll put a link to that for the listeners so you can go get that burnout series. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Make sure to subscribe and like our podcast if you'd like more information on today's topic or any other product or service featured on this. Make sure to drop us a line and say hi or visit anytime at conciergeelite.com.